0: and welcome back to Mindful Minds. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Today we're going to be talking burnout with Emily Ballestros. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, that was close. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, right when I said it, I had like a panic moment. I was like, I think I said it. Um, well, hi. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to get to talk about this in your context. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you. I feel like this is like an issue that, for one, I know I'm personally experiencing. So just for selfish reasons, I'd really like to get your opinion, your advice, et cetera. But I think Mm -hmm. just kind of widespread, especially with how often everybody is on their phones. There's a lot of media burnout happening. Like I think everyone is just kind of exhausted as a whole. Um, But yeah, so I wanted to kind of give you a shot to explain a little bit of your background, um, why this topic is like what you've chosen to center on um, Mm -hmm. and then like what work you've done in it. Yeah,
1: perfect. So I got into burnout management because I experienced two years of just devastating burnout, uh, wanting to crawl through the door, crying at the end of the day. Um, I was living in Chicago. I was working full-time. I was a graduate student full-time, taking night classes. I was a coach part-time. I was commuting two to three hours a day, um, and in all my spare time, I was in a long-distance relationship, um, and I was doing homework and then just trying to stay sane. And after those two years, I was looking for resources everywhere on burnout management and work-life balance and I was working in corporate training and development at that time. So I had a lot of faith in training and could not find it. So I decided that with my background and my personal experience, I would just create it on my own. So I did all of the, I hired a, ton of business coaches because I understood the burnout and the training. I needed help building out the back end of a business, um, hired a bunch of coaches there and then created a variety of products and services to address this need that I kept seeing in all of my peers and diff- completely different industries, um, experiencing, um, that people weren't talking about. And I actually think more people are talking about it now that we're in quarantine, but yeah, it's been, that's, that's how I weaseled my way into this corner.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't, I honestly don't feel like I even heard the term burnout in a way that was what we're talking about compared to just saying like, oh my gosh, I feel so burnt out, like in like a casual setting. I don't think that I even heard of it until like this year. Like, I feel like there's been a lot more talk about it because ironically, people have been doing less, quote unquote, in the sense of like, they're going out less and they're like, maybe not hanging out with as many people. But I think just having all of your entire life in like one room or one space and all you have is like media. And if you're working from home, it's just like you don't really get an escape from anything. And a lot of Mm -hmm. times that can get you kind of just going nonstop without ever really taking a break. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard that from like a lot of moms is like, okay, this like, wasn't because a lot of times, like I think people who maybe don't have kiddos will say things like, you know, oh, you got a break, like you get to like stay home. And it's like, no, now I'm working and also have my children at home, mm-hmm. and maybe don't have the finances to hire help.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so now I just have 15 things going on at once when I at least at work, I could get away from a few of those things and then come home and deal with them. Um, yeah, absolutely. But yeah I'm, I'm, I mean, hell, I'm, <laughs> I'm very overwhelmed. And I, I recently talked to my therapist about, I think even people are hesitant of, saying that they are burnt out or they're experiencing burnout because they don't want to feel, I don't know, like weak or like, oh, I can't handle life kind of a thing. And you're almost like, oh, I don't deserve to give myself that title because I don't have that much going on. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember sitting down with my therapist and like talking about burnout and she was like, yeah, no, you're, you're definitely like experiencing it. But like, when do you think it started? And we started going back month to month, trying to figure out the last time that I felt like I wasn't just wildly exhausted. And it was like, oh, it's been like a year. And she was like, yeah, like, that's not good. And I was like, whoops, okay. Um, But yeah, so for I guess for those who um, don't know what burnout is, could you give like a short definition just to kind of sum it up?
1: Yes. So there are a variety of internal and external symptoms that you can experience. It's an overwhelming sense of just, if you know you're waking up in the morning and you're already dreading your day, or you feel overstimulated, or you feel um, understimulated, then you are likely experiencing some form of burnout. Um, Some common symptoms are um, cynicism or detachment from work, feeling ineffective, change in mood or appetite um, and behaviors, um, trouble sleeping, um, change in immunity. Uh, there are honestly lists and lists, um, but those are some, some starting points that you can pay attention to. If you just don't feel like yourself, there's a distinction between experiencing burnout. And then this new term that's gaining popularity, which is languishing. And then like a depressive episode or a depressive mood or something like that. There are like distinctions between those, but like you said, there are a lot of people are slipping into burnout who might not have experienced it before. And There are different types of burnout. There's burnout by volume, which is that booked back-to-back-to-back sensation, which is common in high achievers, even if nobody... They would achieve to an empty room. Like Even if nobody's putting pressure on them, they find things to fill their day with, and they like just go at themselves with shoulds to the point where they deplete themselves regularly. Um, and then there's burnout by boredom, which is lack of stimulation. Those people feel stuck in life. If you told somebody that's experiencing burnout by boredom, their life would be the exact same as it is right now, a year or two from now, they would have an existential crisis. Um, and then that their type is social burnout. And that's common in people pleasers or people who are responsible for a lot of people and they struggle to set boundaries. And those people have had a harder time um, based on who I've talked to in quarantine because before they could create a natural boundary between work and being at home. And like you said, people are wearing multiple hats at the same time. They're a parent and a professional in the same breath. And that's really overwhelming. Um, So those types of people who are experiencing social burnout usually just need to create a lot Stronger boundaries, and then they're just craving time to themselves for the most part, and people who aren't always asking for things. Um, But those are the three types of burnout, and um, the ways you can kind of identify if you fall within any any of them.
0: Gotcha. I didn't know there were that many types. And I think that I'm curious is media burnout technically an actual type of burnout, or is that just something that kind of got coined during? I think honestly quarantine was like, there was just so much, everyone just had so much access to like nonstop media that it was just like, I was finding myself when I was unemployed, like on my phone for like eight hours a day, doing literally nothing with my time. And then it was like, if I see another Instagram post, I'm going to scream.
1: (laughs) Wow, definitely. I think that you can apply the word burnout, like it's almost like a state of experience, um, to most things that people tend to struggle regulating. So, so that's why it's so often applied to work or so often applied to like parenthood. But you can apply it to media. You can apply it to. Like fitness burnout or things like that. Um, So it's more so that experience of feeling like a little bit out of control and like your energy is somewhere that it it isn't typically. Um, And then I'm starting to put language to it so that you can make changes to whatever it is and however you're interacting with it.
0: Right. So would it be fair to say that like often stress levels are associated with burnout or if you're if you're experiencing higher stress levels or is that more so just for like achieving burnout where it's like your your stress level are kind of higher because you're burnt out kind of a thing
1: they definitely have a relationship it just kind of depends on the starting point for a person so if somebody is in let's say a really high stress role and it's really high volume and it's unpredictable they're going to be in just a more frequent state of fight or flight, their body's going to be releasing that cortisol and those stress hormones more frequently to the point where after you've been in a state of stress long enough, your system is depleted. It's it's very bad for you internally, but you start to slip into this experience of burnout where it's actually impairing you cognitively. People forget things more often. That's where the sleep, the struggling to sleep come in, comes in, the lower energy levels. Um, so being in a state of fight or flight for an extended period of time causes a natural like what goes up must come down causes natural dips. Um, But it just depends on your relationship with the things that are the most stressful and everybody's baseline of stress has just naturally risen over the last year um, over the period of quarantine, because... That there are universal stress factors, things like novelty, predictability, duration, and control, where all of those things, like novelty, cor- COVID's been new, um, predictability, and un- nothing's predictable, unknown duration of time, um, and then no control over the situation, that even if we're not thinking about it in those words, we're all experiencing a sensation of un- dis- unease Um, disease, unease, period of time, just stresses our system out enough that you can end up in burnout um, and not even know why really.
0: Yeah. And that's a good point too, because I, the stress level like rising during COVID, there are things that I think like maybe a year or two ago that I would see in the media that would like send me into a spiral. And now it's like I'll see them in the media and I'm like, it's a Tuesday. <laughs> like cool. <Yeah. laughs> I don't know how to handle this. So we're just gonna ignore it or like move on. Mm-hmm. Um even like I remember everything when everything was going down, and then it was like, now there's murder hornets, and I it was like, okay, sure, whatever. If I yeah. guess that's fine if I die by a murder hornet like mm-hmm. that's i i it didn't even phase me. I wasn't nervous about it. I was just like cool. Yep, got yep. it. We got another thing on our plate. That's fine. Um but yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the like uh is it achievers burnout or is there a different name for it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um just by volume, but typically high achievers end up okay. in Yeah, no, That's so interesting. Literally my day today my intention was to have like a restful day. And it is 40 p.m. and i this like this interview is the first time i've like sat down today um mm-hmm. cuz i just found random stuff to do that like i didn't really need to do even like curling my hair i was <laughs> like well i should curl my hair cuz i have time to curl my hair and like that would make me look better so like sure let's do that and even it took me forever today to convince myself not to take my dog on a walk cuz mm-hmm. i'm exhausted and i was like i need to take a nap but i was like Well, it's sunny and it was supposed to be rainy today. And so I have to take her on a walk because, like, she needs to go on a walk. And it was literally like an internal battle in my brain for the past, like, hour of, like, do I take her on a walk? Do I not take her on a walk? Do I take her on a walk? Just going back and forth, back and forth, even though I'm the only one holding myself to that. And I'm the only one giving myself, like, grief for it. Like, no one else cares. And if I were to call any of my friends and say, do you think I need to take her for a walk today? Like, I'm really tired. They'd all be like, no, it's okay. Like you Mm -hmm. can rest. It's fine. I'm the only one that's like holding myself to it. Um, but it doesn't matter if you're the only one holding yourself to it. It can be just as exhausting as someone else holding you to it. Definitely. And it's like this
1: experience of, um, like, people like I heard you say should a lot in that and like should curl my hair, I should walk my dog or I should rest. And, um, a lot of people who have high standards and expectations for themselves, no matter where they learn them, they measure backwards from where they should think they should be and what everything that should be done. um, instead of measuring forwards from all the things that they've already done and just allowing themselves to be where they are. Um, and it's like, you know, somebody who, if two people are trying to get to a hundred dollars and they're at 60 the person who measures backwards from 100 is always saying like dang it i'm only at 60 dollars i still have so much more to go and the people who measure forwards who typically are more satisfied in life um are people who are like oh wow i'm already here like i and i only have like a, a little bit more to go but i'm most of the way there and they allow themselves to enjoy where they are but that's not how a majority of people are brought up i mean we're we learn in school like you should be striving for it. You should be getting it. You should be doing XYZ. And then you become an adult. And people still use that language. And you were talking about media earlier and media, just and like the announcement culture we have, where we see a lot of just the positive things that are happening in other people's life, um, it just causes us to feel like we should be doing other things all the time, even though we only see what we are seeing. We don't see what we're not seeing. So, like, uh, and I know that part of it sounds basic, but what I'm trying to say is like, I don't notice when somebody else isn't posting. So I have no context going right. on in their life. I only see when they are posting. Um, and so it's just like very disproportionate. And we don't right. recognize that we only, you know, we're seeing 10%. So,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, even. I, I with the whole walk sunny day thing. I, I so often if it'll be, and I think specifically, I live in Seattle, so like the sun doesn't come that often. So whenever it comes, I feel this like immense pressure to like do something with my day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so much of that is social media. Like I'll get on social media and I'll see people like having picnics and like going on walks and going swimming, and I'm like, I'm sitting in my apartment like watching YouTube videos. Like I mm-hmm. should probably go do something that is like actually like even like aesthetically pleasing like I'll even go that far where it's not even like do something that's fun for me it's more so like do something that I should be doing because it's pretty Mm -hmm. outside um and if there's nothing there's I mean there's a balance to that where like of course if you're spending I think there's also you want to you know counter it with the media burnout aspect like if, if you're spending all of your time all day all like you know whatever spending it on tv or instagram or whatever like that's not going to be great for your brain either. But I think the the pressure and the expectations, it's so funny because so often we're the only ones like putting them on ourselves. And I mean, society does, but like, just, there's not like there's somebody like holding a gun to our head saying like, you have to go outside and I'll sit there. And that's how, that's what it feels like in my brain is that like, there's this like life or death situation where I need to, do something. And I, and that's definitely like the achiever in me is like, I have Mm -hmm. to do something with my day or else it's not a day that was worth like living. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I just wasted a day. Um, and I actually had, um, if you go back to episode four, people who are listening, um, I had a band called clean cut kid on, um, the podcast and they actually have a song that says, I just lost another week to worrying. And the entire song is talking about, how you focus so much on worrying and you're worried that you didn't do enough with your week that then you realize that seven days are gone and you're in your next week and your entire week is now, which is dedicated to worrying about little things. Um, and I think a lot of the times with burnout, like it a lot, so much of it is mental and it's all it's in your head of you just kind of going hundred miles per hour and creating mm-hmm. situations to worry about creating things, creating problems in your head And then next thing you know, you realize, okay, I'm in the next week. And now I'm worried because I just wasted that week. And oh my gosh, I didn't do anything with my week. And then you go down the cycle again. Yeah, definitely. It's like the anticipation, even
1: if it's things we're looking forward to, Mm -hmm. uh, it, it becomes overwhelming. And then even when like, I know I've had the experience of like, I'll be working or I'll be like doing something like I'll be in an interview and I'm like, I should be working. And I'm like, you are working. Like you literally are working right now. Yeah, I do that too. It's such a weird sensation and um there's there's like this I was trying to put this theory into words but basically there are like overmotivated people overmotivated people and undermotivated people and neither is right or wrong like we naturally that's the problem is most people assume the overmotivated person like oh that's the one you want to be but the example that I give is you could put both of these people in like the arctic tundra and the overmotivated person would like sprint around stressing themselves out trying to find enough wood build a ton of fires to try to keep themselves alive. And then the undermotivated person can like barely get the energy to go find the elements to keep themselves alive. But both people are dying. Like neither one of those is good. One person's just going to like roast themselves to death and the other one's going to freeze to death. You don't want to be on either of those extreme ends. You have to find that middle ground. And most of that is just a mental game. Um, but we're very rarely... Like, I always feel like I have to deliver different messaging to those different parties because some people do need to hear like, you know, you need to let yourself rest at the end of your life. What will you wish that you did more of? That's the thing you should do. Whereas, and that works for the over-motivated people, but for the under-motivated people, they they do need that kick in the pants. A lot of times, like you can do it. I believe in you. Like, don't like, I know my tough love voice is like, don't be a bitch, just go do it. And that has to push me out of that under-motivated phase, but you do really have to deliver different types of messaging to different types of people. And that's really hard because the internet is very one dimensional and there's a lot of flattening that goes on to make everybody happy. Um, And points are, points are uh, missed all the time, but those are, yes, long winded way of saying, I identify with what you're saying. And on that pendulum swing of over to under motivated, it sounds like you're over motivated.
0: Yes, very much so. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, I think so much of it revolves around balance and I think, there are very few people in life who are naturally good at balancing things. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of us just kind of suck at it. Um and even yeah, I think as an overmotivated person, uh, I'll even beat myself up when I finally do rest and then I feel like I'm undermotivated because mm-hmm. I'll go through a few days where I don't really want to do anything. And it's not because I'm lazy, it's because I quite literally don't have any energy left because I just spent it all going hundred miles per hour. Mm-hmm. And then I'll sit there and I'm like, okay, well I just spent all day today, like just sitting here and like, yeah. and I think one of the biggest things that is difficult, which you might have some insight into this is I experience a lot of restless rest, mm-hmm. rest. I don't know if that makes any sense, but like, I'll, I'll quote unquote rest. And then I'll, you know, the next day I'm like, okay, that didn't do anything. <laughs> like, yeah. And I, I'm, I've done a little bit of like experimentation of like, I'm curious if it's because my methods of rest are more so, um, just how, how do I tune out compared to like actually letting myself rest where it's more so mm-hmm. like, I'm going to watch TV for two hours because I can just turn my brain off and like just zone out. um, but then a lot of the times, like people will have suggested, like oh, meditate or like yoga, and like try to actually like get in like a meditative state. And then I'm like, well, now I'm really tired because I just did yoga. <laughs> like yeah. that didn't help me rest. So I'm curious about that too. Um, do you see that a lot within burnout of this kind of you try to find rest, and even after sleeping for hours or taking a day where you don't do anything, you're still just as exhausted as when you started.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, that I, The sensation of restless rest, like the most common example that I see in people who are just so overstimulated during the day um, that at night they don't, like, we have a decision budget, a cognitive decision budget. We can only make so many thoughtful decisions before we're just kind of depleted. And most people use those up in the beginning of the day um, on mundane things like what to wear, what to eat, and then all throughout work. And then by the time they get home, they had these plans to, you know, make progress on personal interests or go to the gym or like whatever it might make a nice dinner. And by that time, they're so tired and they're so out of cognitive resources. They're not even going to get creative about how can I, how can I still get this in there? Like I'm going to watch TV and I'm going to go on my phone at the same time. And so that's not even restful that your brain is still so overstimulated when you're doing, taking in both of those things at the same time. Um, but we, it's hard to go from, like a state of really high stimulation and stress to a like lower restful state, you might still be trying to take in enough media to fill that gap um, or do an activity like that. But the sensation of like restless um, or genuine rest is it's, It's so particular to the person because some people love meditating and yoga. Like you said, I cannot stand either. Um, So I have to find rest in a different way. And it's usually by... Um, I get bored if I'm just doing a physical or just doing a cognitive task, unfortunately, but I'll go on a walk and listen to an audiobook or like paint and listen to an audiobook or music or like I'll read a book, not like an educational book, I, like just like usually like a smutty romance book. Um, but I have to do something that brings me down and that I actually look forward to. But a lot of people try to fit rest into like the the types of rest other people recommend. And, and most people don't take the time to figure out what rest really works for them because you have to try so many different things in order to find what works. Like reading romance books was probably like the hundredth thing that I tried. And that was what really stuck for me. But most people don't like trying new things because they don't like the commitment or it's intimidating or they don't want to be bad at it. Um, but you have to be willing to try and quit like so many things before you find what works for you. And, And most people like, think that that's a really permanent commitment because quitting is like people take it really personally if they quit, but I love quitting and I'm a huge advocate for quitting. So if you're comfortable quitting, you will try literally anything and no, you can always back out if you don't like it.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love, I like, I'm an advocate of quitting. That's so funny. Um, yeah. So I guess for people listening, if I'm so including myself in this uh, group of people, um, if you've tried kind of like the classic methods of rest, that are, I think, more so, like, popularized by media specifically. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of, like, there's a huge fad around just, like, yoga and, like, meditation. And, like, I I love yoga as, like, a workout or, like, a – I don't know. I do think it helps, like, calm my brain a little bit where I'll have a lot of thoughts going on. And because yoga can be so intentional of, like, clearing your mind, it can be helpful with that. But it's definitely, like, because there is, like, physical – I think it might just be because I'm so tired all the time that like, there's a physical aspect to it where it's like, that's not like, that doesn't make me feel like I'm like rested. Mm-hmm. Then I'm tired afterwards. Cause I'm like, Holy cow. Like I had to hold that pose for a really long time. Yeah. Um, so for those of us who have kind of tried those traditional methods and like, haven't found something that worked, what are some just kind of random ones that you would suggest people try just some out of the box ones that maybe will work better than the kind of traditional aesthetically pleasing ways to rest?
1: Yeah. I love the uh, yeah. Don't listen to other people's aesthetically pleasing things. Um, if you haven't tried Pilates, that's a really fun way to use your body in a non-traditional way. Um, if you have any, I know it's like there, there are a lot of restrictions on classes. I would look at fun classes in your area. Um, like, I mean like trampoline house, like those bungee cord workouts, pole dancing, like anything you can think of. I would create a physical list, um, and then a mental list of things that are restful to you. Um, and Like mental can be, you know, journaling, or um, I'll literally lock myself in my office, leave my phone somewhere else, put on salt lamps and lay on the floor and just see what comes to me. Um, Or I'll like write on a whiteboard until I feel like I've gotten everything out of my system and I can really relax. Um, but yeah, I would, I would create a mental list and a physical list. And if you need to, an emotional list, if you feel like you need to emotionally unload, um, and that might be like talking to somebody or making yourself cry by watching something emotional, because sometimes that emotional release is just stress hormones trying to come out because we need to complete the stress cycle and we've just been putting it off. It will come out eventually. So you may as well do that. Um, those are some off the wall things. But um as far as like knowing when is good for you to work and when is good for you to rest, I, I think of it as it as like, and I have the luxury of doing this because I'm self-employed, but there's we have no sense of like intuitive work and intuitive rest because we're given such a structure to live within of like work nine to five, Monday through Friday, Saturday, Sunday, get the rest of your life in and then like do it all the next week. And now that I've been doing this for a couple of years, I can it's almost like intuitive eating where like when you've been eating on regimen so frequently, you kind of lose sense of that intuitive eating um, and you, you stop just listening to cues. And so I feel like burnout, reaching the point of burnout is also like I have been absolutely ignoring my intuitive working and like resting that I... I'm just completely out of whack. So after long enough of like, if I don't feel like working, I'm not going to work. And if I don't feel like resting, then I'll go find something creative to do or find work to do. And now I'm so much more uh, willing to rest and then willing to work because I know that there will be another, like I've seen the pattern often enough that if I need to rest and my body's telling me, it's because I genuinely need to rest. It's not because I'm trying to like get out of my work or anything because the only person that hurts is me. There will be like a wave of, multiple days where I'm really into my work again. And I just have to trust that. But most people don't get the opportunity to find that intuitive flow because they're working within the nine to five confines.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I'm, I'm currently, this is like a funny episode to be doing right now because I'm in a position where I financially can't quit my job. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm on a month long contract with this job. It was like I was unemployed and I just kind of randomly got this like month long contract job and I can't stand it. (laughs) And I'm saying this because this episode will release in July and it is April right now. So we're fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I'm in a space where I it is like killing me every day to not just like quit. Like I am like having the hardest time. And I think part of that was I went like a month being unemployed. And it was like, wow, I like this a lot better. And it wasn't that I didn't still do quote unquote like work because I, a lot of my time was spent on the podcast. And like I was, I it wasn't that I wasn't motivated to do that stuff. Like I was, I've cranked out like 30 episodes of a podcast in like a month. So yeah. it's not that my work ethic isn't there, but it's just like. The idea, I think specifically the nine to five for me, like the idea of forcing myself, I'm not someone who likes to get up early in the morning and like, it's never worked for me. I've tried, so I've done the thing where you wake up at six and you have like a routine and you do lemon water and it's a whole thing. And like, it just never worked for me. And I always find that I'm the most productive at night. Like I'll hit like seven o'clock and I'm like, all of a sudden have this like second wind of like, okay, let's do this. And that's only if I haven't been working the entire day. So like on weekends or whatever, it'll hit like seven o'clock. And I'm like, I have all these things that I can do now. Um, But in like a traditional work context, that's like not normally how people are allowed to work. And for me, it's like an, you know, an eight to four work day. And I'm normally not that productive from eight to four on like a Saturday or a Sunday. Like my productive comes at like six. (laughs) So I like barely miss my window. Um, and it's been so hard to like push myself and uh, literally it's to the point where, and I don't like living like this, but it's to the point where like, I have, you know, three more weeks left of this job. And so like, I'm going into it thinking like, okay, this is my second week. I only have to last five days. Like I can Mm -hmm. do this. Okay. This is my third week. Like I'm literally just like counting down the days until I can be out of this job. And I don't like that. And I've honestly, like, it's. I don't think I've ever had a job where I feel like this before. I've, I've definitely been struggling like with work the last few like months because I just am not doing what I want to be doing. So I guess a question would be if, if you're not in a position where you're like lucky enough to be self-employed or you're lucky enough to kind of schedule out your own schedule, how do you balance that? And how do you cope with, I've had so many people, I'm 22. And so many of us, like we just graduated college. We are all realizing so quickly that, it's so hard to get a job and something that you actually like doing. And Mm -hmm. so many of us are doing jobs that we hate. And I have so many friends right now that are just like, I'm supposed to do this till I'm 65. Like Mm -hmm. how the hell am I supposed to do this till I'm 65? Like I'm 22 and I'm already done. And so many of us I think are feeling so disappointed I guess in like how being an adult is (laughs) and we're all just like really kind of disappointed and a little bit just like we feel kind of like beaten up about the whole situation not to mention like COVID is not a great time to like enter adulthood but we all just like I've literally talked to so many people my age that are just like dude this shit sucks like I thought being an adult was going to be stressful but like I hate it. (laughs) So like, what would your advice be to someone like that? Or someone like me, honestly, where like, I, I don't have the ability to switch my work schedule, but I, I can't not work,
1: you know? Definitely. Who's been disillusioned. By the reality. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Well, the part, the point that I would always recommend people start at is you have to track it to hack it. So track how, regardless of who you're working for, track how you're spending the hours of your day, um, for like three days, track spikes in stress. Um, and like when you have spikes in energy and after a couple days, you start to notice patterns of if you're tech, if you're like techie and you can figure it out in Excel, there are ways you can get pop-ups every hour and like put in like how you're feeling if you're stressed, what the stressor was, and like put it in it, it'll pop out a nice little graph and tell you like when your peaks in energy are. You don't have to do it the graph way, but what you'll find is that even though, even if you're overwhelmed and you aren't in control of the structure of your day, you'll still have natural peaks and valleys of energy, um, depending on your circadian rhythm and just how you work best. So if, and there's also a a quiz called the power of when that will tell you when you sleep best, when you have those peaks Um, and it can be slightly influenced by the industry you're in and what hours you are responsible for working, but track it to hack it just to see what you can uncover yourself. And then also like you, what people usually need in order to get from point A to point B is like they're looking for a ticket to play, they're looking for that invitation into something that is that like holds their actual interest. And you can do a lot of those things without necessarily having to get like a master's degree or without necessarily having to do it the traditional way. Like, I know Google has a lot of competitive certificates coming out that will qualify them for or qualify people for jobs that they would normally need to get a whole like, agree for. Um, And just find ways to volunteer, to freelance, to shadow, to do anything that gets you closer to what you're interested in. It does not have to be because the absolute longest road to getting to where you want to be is the traditional way of staying in a role for a couple of years until people give you a little bit more responsibility than a little bit more. And then the way that you can promote yourself traditionally and the fastest is actually by job hopping, which is why it's so popular because each time you do that, you tend to get a promotion and then you tend to get um, more responsibility because they don't know what you don't know. But get as close as you can, get as many tickets to play as possible, the non-traditional ways. um, So that by the time like five years flies by and all of a sudden you have all this freelance experience that qualifies you for things that you weren't qualified for before.
0: Yeah, I think that's been one of the things that I think a lot of us are realizing is grad school was totally on my radar, like totally Mm -hmm. on my radar. That was something that I was like very, very, it was in my plan. I was going to do it. And then it was, like, for one, I was, like, I don't know what I want to do yet. <laughs> yeah. And it hit me of, like, why on earth would I, like, I'm already, I already have a, a substantial amount of student debt. So, like, why would I, like, put myself through more of that just for, like, the I guess the pride of being able to say that I have a grad degree because it really wouldn't be like practical. It would just be more so that I felt like I was a failure if I didn't have one. Mm-hmm. Um, Which once again, like goes right back to like the shoulds of just like, well, I feel like I should do this because then, then I'm higher up on the ladder if I have, you know, this degree. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I don't really want to and I don't really want to go back to school and I definitely don't have the finances to go back to school right now. Yeah. Um but yeah that's that's interesting. um, yeah. what about in a relational context? because I think that for a lot of people, so many of us are so lonely right now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but then if you're experiencing burnout, you often don't have energy for like to put into relationships or friendships, and so mm-hmm. a lot of us are experiencing kind of this like crippling loneliness, but then don't have the energy to actually cultivate, like relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you suggest for people kind of specifically, I think, during COVID, um, who maybe are experiencing a lot of loneliness, but then also a lot of burnout and aren't really sure how to reconcile those two things?
1: Yeah, Um, isolation and escapism are very common. Um, not just indicators of burnout, but they happen anytime people are under duress, they tend to, um, depending on what your stress style is, there's like fight, flight, flee. Um, and then, or fight, you know, there's like five of them, but, um, one of them is to just retreat into yourself. And if that is you, and you know, that when it comes to like week to week planning, it would drain you more than it would serve you to try to coordinate something with other people who don't necessarily have the energy to get back to messages. What I know I did with my close friends, um, we had just weekly calls and or biweekly calls where it was at a set time. It wasn't for an overwhelming period of time. If we wanted to stay longer, we could, but it wasn't meant to be like hours long each time. Um, And all of us typically got on tired. Sometimes it would be a happy hour. Sometimes we'd make the same dinner together. Sometimes we would have tea, but it was just people we didn't have to pretend for um, at a set time, not an overwhelming amount of time that it was just like predetermined so that we didn't have to do planning week to week or like send out links or do anything. Um, And that made it a lot easier. um, and, And to know that, you know, I could get on this. And if I really want to go back to being by myself and doing my own thing, I can, and they won't take it personally. So I would recommend trying to find that core group and then trying to create some type of system that does the, the planning and the hard part for you so that all you have to do is show up in community be supported. And then you can go back to whatever it is you were doing.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I actually like, right. As you said that I did that at the beginning of quarantine, we had like a weekly movie night, like at a specific time and it worked so much better. And I'm not quite sure why we fell out of that. I think a lot of it was just like people had at least like a lot of college students had a lot more time at the beginning of COVID because Mm -hmm. all of our classes were all of a sudden online. A lot of the times they were a lot easier yeah, for at least the first few months because none of my professors knew how to do online classes. Yeah, Um, But yeah, no, that's, I think that especially people that are not going to, uh, judge or expect a performance. I think it's so important to have like a safe space where you can come on and, or, you know, go out with someone, even if it's just like for a walk or something and say, mm-hmm. yeah, no, like I'm absolutely exhausted and not have to kind of put up this like front. Cause I think so often we all feel so pressured to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess we can kind of transition a little bit into media intake. Um, I think one of the hardest balances for at least I've experienced with media right now is for one part of my quote unquote, like work, like the podcast, I literally have to be on social media. I have to have like posts that are scheduled to promote things and all that kind of stuff. So I can't just like get rid of it. Right. And then simultaneously, like I would love to just hop off my phone and never have to be on my phone but yeah. I think a lot of us have realized like how crucial it is to like know what's going on in the news right now and like be up like, you know, be aware of what's going on and be updated and educated to some extent. Um, and so I guess what would your advice be to someone who feels like they're experiencing burnout with media, but also doesn't feel like they can get rid of it entirely? Like what would what would those small steps look like to maybe decrease their media intake?
1: Yeah. Um so I would I would again start with you have to track it to hack it like we are such we're so good at storytelling ourselves into like what we want to see out of ourselves that we think you know I just pop on my phone every once in a while during the day like it's not an actual problem um and then you track it and you actually take like keep track for a couple of days of how when you're using your media how long you're on it you find out you're losing hours and you're looking you can even write down what you were doing at the time and a lot of times it's just it's things that at the end of the day, we look back at and we're like that, that was such a, I don't even want to spend my time in that way. Um, or it's like sabotaging your sleep or different things like that. So track it to have a better understanding. Um, I'm a very data driven person, if that's not obvious. And then, um, I would recommend you having boundaries with your media whenever, whenever you are using it. So like I set timers every single time I'm on my phone. And in particular, when I go on like Instagram or TikTok, especially TikTok, because there's, it's very casino esque where there's no clock at the top. So you oh, can't tell that the time so is so bad. It's so, and they designed it that way. Like anytime I'm like, dang it, I wasted more time than I wanted to. I'm like, I don't take it personally. Cause I'm like somebody way smarter than me getting paid to create the most addictive app possible did a great job. I'm just, to consumer, like, it's not my fault that they did a really good job. So I set a 15 minute timer, Every single time I go on Instagram or TikTok, and I always say, like, to myself what my purpose is when I'm going on. Sometimes it's just entertainment. Like, I'm going on TikTok to not think for 15 minutes to just consume media. And when my alarm goes off, this is the hardest part. Uh, you actually have to put the phone down um, and not just click, like, snooze or, like, repeat. But I actually put it down every time. I never got into the bad habit of just, like, saying repeat and staying on um, because that's easy to do. And that, that is, that has saved me hours and hours and hours. Cause I don't recognize you just, you don't even see it when you're in it. So create those kinds of boundaries. And then also just go in with your intention, especially if you're a business, because like I do primarily social media marketing and I don't like being on my phone because it kind of feels like work because I usually have like, you know, messages I should be getting back to and things like that. So um, I always have that intention of like, I'm just going on to post this thing that I already pre prepared. And once I post it, I'm putting my phone down. And then I'm going to like do this other thing. So it's just like intentional intentionality and creating systems. So you don't have to rely on willpower, because I don't believe in like, muscling your way through trying to control yourself. I believe in creating systems that make it a lot easier for you.
0: Yeah. And that's fine. The image of TikTok, because TikTok, I feel like is a it's a big one. And it's like, I I have spent like hours on that app and had no idea that I, that I was an hour in and been like, holy crap, like it's noon. How is it noon? And I, I like, I started at 10 and I'm like, I, whoa, 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 whoa. I had things to do. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, too, because they have that guy that'll pop up that said, like, whoa, you've been scrolling for way too long. And every time he comes up, I get pissed because I'm like, <laughs> leave me alone. I'll do what I want. <laughs> when in reality, it's like, I should probably get off. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think this is, like, another kind of random tip that I at least found helpful. It definitely hasn't, like, worked entirely because I do think I probably do need to set timers because I can I can waste some serious time, like, on my phone.
1: Mm-hmm. But a
0: thing that I did – was I actually turned off like all of my notifications. Okay. So I don't get notifications from things. And that way, like I'll check on those apps, like the apps that at least I know like are, you know, like I'll check my texts and I'll check email and I'll check Instagram and TikTok and like Twitter are kind of like my main ones. Um, But I'll check them when I want to check them compared to like seeing a notification and then just like being driven to that app and being like, Oh, well I have something on there. So now I need to go on. Um, yeah. especially Instagram because I would get like DMS or like likes or comments or like a follower. And then I'd be like, Oh, who followed me? And then I'd look at their account and then I'd get into some rabbit hole of like, now I'm looking at their tagged photos and like some random person is in their tagged photos. And I'm just like down some weird rabbit hole that I like had no intention of going down. Mm-hmm. Um, And especially with texts as well, like, I would always feel so much pressure to respond back to people as soon as I got a text, um, even if, like, I didn't really have the time or mental energy to be, like, consuming whatever that was, because not, texts aren't always, like, happy-go-lucky, like, fun things to be talking about. Like, sometimes I'll have, you know, messages from friends where it's, like, some serious stuff, and being able to, like, look at, um the you know look at the message and decide if I'm ready to respond to it like has been really helpful too because I Mm -hmm. I'm not just seeing the notification automatically like conditioning myself to like oh I need to respond right now Mm -hmm. I'm learning to like okay do I want to spend my time with this right now or is this something I can wait is this urgent is it a priority or can it wait until I'm home or whatever, especially like if I'm with other people or if I'm trying to be intentional about the time that I'm having with someone else or a time that I'm taking for myself. So often I can hear like the little, you know, and I'm like, oh, my phone, what's on my phone. Um, so even that I, I've turned off all of my ringers, which everyone in my family hates because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they're always like, you, you never hear your phone. I'm like, yes, that's intentional because <laughs> I used to drop everything if I heard my phone. Um, Definitely.
1: And we teach people how available we are. And it's, uh, I mean, we feel like our availability is tied to like, our capability and our like, goodness and all this stuff. And I absolutely hate being available. Like I don't, I'm, I try to be as clear as possible with people. Like I can't read your mind. If you need more from me, you have to tell me I will not take it personally. But uh, on a day to day basis, I, I leave my phone in other places because I hate the idea of carrying something around that will pull your attention away. That will call, it's like you were saying with like, you know, it's something that invites you in when you weren't even planning on going on it. And I'm sure you watched The Social Dilemma, but that's the difference between like something that's a tool that you use for you versus something that calls right. to you and uses you as a commodity. And I, even like if there's something that's so critical that's happening that it can't wait, like the hour it will take me or honestly, sometimes that's multiple hours to go to the other room. They can call my fiance. Like they can, they can come up with something else, but like, what would they do in the olden days when you just had a home phone? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right.
0: People, people survived. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that the availability thing is interesting because it, it, especially if I'm sending, it's so addictive. I found myself like, literally being out with another friend and like my phone will go off and now all of a sudden all my attention is on my phone and Mm -hmm. I'm not paying attention to the person that I literally took time out of my day to schedule time to hang out with them. And it's like, shit, sorry. Like I didn't mean to like all of a sudden now not even be paying attention to you like at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of a gross feeling. Like that's not really a great feeling to feel like something can have that much power over you and can like draw you away so quickly um, and I think, you know, there's always like, I think capitalism in itself is kind of, I, I've, I've had a lot of guilt in the past of like, as, as, as uh, a lot with burnout actually. Cause like, you know, I think burnout is like very much so like a birth child of capitalism. Um, but I've had a lot of times when, um, I am feeling really, uh, I don't know, kind of guilty about the way that I'm existing in a capitalistic society. And I've had people remind me like, this isn't your fault. Like this is a society that was literally built to control you and to get what it wanted out of you. And like, you're just kind of doing your best trying to survive in it. And like, that's okay. Um, And that's not, that's not like poorly reflective of you. Uh, I know for a lot of people listening to this, um, even this much information might be kind of overwhelming or might feel like too much for them. Um, So if you could just give like one, just one tip to someone who is feeling burnt out to just try to work on one thing and kind of take one small step at a time, what would that step be?
1: I would say create predictable rest for yourself. Like have scheduled in predictable rest so that you can recuperate some of your resources in a completely guilt-free way. Like that rest is just as essential to you as paying your bills or getting sleep or like drinking water that it's it's like the, um, and this isn't more information. This is just an antidote. Um, but like it, it, I don't know if, if you've ever played a sport before, you know, like if, when you get a drill and you don't know what the next drill is, you kind of hold back your energy because you're like, well, if I go full out, then like I'm gonna I might not have energy for whatever comes next. And right. You have that in life too. If you don't, Know how much energy you need to regulate because you don't know when that next predictable rest is coming, then you're always in this state of tension. So, create predictable rest for yourself so you don't mind putting out all your energy at work. You don't mind, like, when you do have responsibilities to do because you know you're also going to fight just as hard to have that pocket of predictable rest for yourself later. That's just for you.
0: That's a great point. Yeah, I think that schedule, like, kind of just schedules in general, and just having, I know a lot of people don't really find themselves loving routines or don't think that they're, you know, routine people. Um, I even know people who like just really want to be spontaneous and even just kind of want that to be their brand. And so they don't want to like succumb to like the boredom of having routines. But I think so often, like at least having some sort of scheduled time for even just like time for yourself um, and schedule time to take care of yourself, whether that's like intentional rest or whether that's just doing something that makes you happy. And I I think that's actually another like kind of question is, do you feel like there is, um, often a misconception that like rest equals like low energy sleep? Like, can you gain rest from things that maybe are higher energy and that just like are things that kind of make you feel fulfilled?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So personal care has been reduced to like that bubble bath and glass of wine sensation. But there's actually three elements to true personal care. There's maintenance, which is like things like paying your bills, shaving your legs, um, doing anything that allows you to take care of yourself, making sure you have groceries, um, laundry for the week. And then there's rest, which is that genuinely restful like taking a nap, low energy um, and experience, and then there's refill, and those are things that refill your cup that make you feel like life is a fulfilling thing that you are enjoying. A lot of times, that's socializing for people, or that's like anything that gives you dopamine. That can be anything that is entertaining, and sometimes Netflix does fall into that category, and that's completely fine. Um, but you there's rest, maintenance, and refill, and and those are all ways that you can be filling your own cup, as opposed to giving to others, you're giving to yourself.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes we also might mix up what things go in which category. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you mentioning the watching TV and being on your phone at the same time, how that is actually like, you're really stimulating your brain a lot. But a lot of people will kind of put that in the category of like rest, where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm just like sitting on the couch, and I'm like taking a second. But I mean, and I'm totally guilty of this, where like, I'll get home from work, and I'm like, very much so what you were talking about where I kind of expect like all of my energy gets used up at the beginning of the day where I'm so focused on like getting to work on time and like having my morning routine or whatever and like making breakfast and packing lunch and like you know making sure I beat traffic and then I have all my things to do at work and then I get home which is like really the only time that I have for myself that isn't just me either like rushing to get out the door in the morning or spending a whole day at work and I'll get home and it's like, well, I don't have any energy left to do anything that's like fun or feels good. I just kind of will just melt in front of the TV and just be like, okay, well I don't have it. And specifically cooking. I'm like, I always have like some big meal plan when I get home and I'm like, that's not happening. (laughs) Um, But yeah. And it makes sense because I've had such a hard time like fine, I think feeling restful because so often I have put, TV or media kind of in the category of rest when it probably doesn't really belong there. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially I I normally have like my laptop open, my phone and my TV. And it's like literally three screens where I'm doing random things on each one. And a lot of it's just background noise. That's just kind of there, but it is still taking up like part of my brain when I have that many things Mm -hmm. going on. And then and then I'm surprised when I have a hard time winding down like yeah. to go to sleep, which is yeah. so silly when you look at it like just logically, like if you have that much going on and your brain isn't taking that many things at once, of course it's not going to feel like restful or mm-hmm. it's not going to help you wind down to be able to actually like get good sleep or have I always have such a hard time falling asleep when I have a lot of media intake before bed because my brain is just like going a hundred miles per hour and I didn't really mm-hmm. give it any time to like shut down.
1: Definitely. And there's like, um, there, I don't know if uh, this is like common term net or if I just saw it on a corner of the internet, but there I like to have what's called pioneer hours, which is, you know, no phone. So there's not that dual screen action going on. But um, there was a post that I saw and it was like, everything we needed was already here when we got here. And if you're living so many days in a row where you're out of touch with like just eating vegetables, like all of them, all the sustenance that we needed was already here when we got here. And now we've gotten to the point of like only eating processed foods, basically. Um, Like there was no media. So whenever we're taking in that much media, we weren't designed to do that. It cannot be good for us to be on screens for so long. Um, And we're also not meant to be sitting for eight plus hours a day, which is like, we're doing all kinds of damage to our spine, physical activity is like at an all time low, not just because of COVID, because that like people are at a state of drain, but it's so bad for our stress cycle to not have a place for those stress hormones to go since we are at a heightened state of stress. So it's not about like physical activity has such a bad rap because it goes and coincides with fitness. And like, we have a very toxic fitness culture, but it like for, in regards to our stress cycle, we're missing that component of us having to get up, get up and like move around regularly. I know I can spend the whole day, go get up from bed, sit at my desk, sit on the couch, sit in the car, sit like, and you know, and it's, it's just not how we are supposed to be. So, um, pi- pioneer hours, pioneer days where you just go back to your roots and like recognize how far we've strayed from what we are supposed to be doing.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting too. Cause I think, um, so often like at least with my, my personal experience. And obviously this depends on like your own body. And like, there's obviously caveats to this. Um, cause some bodies, you know, are get tired quicker and things mm-hmm. like that. But for me, I found that like, I am a lot more sleepy and a lot more tired when most of my day has been spent sitting. And then when I go to have to stand up or walk around, I'm like, Oh, Holy cow. Like I'm exhausted compared to if I, like commit my day and like start my day knowing like, I'll, I'll go walk like Green Lake, which is like an area in Seattle. And it's like a three and a half mile, like walk. And I'll go walk Green Lake with my dog. And I'm normally like not tired after that. I'm normally like, cause it's not like high pace. It's not, I'm not running it. I'm not like trying to do like intervals and like, you mm-hmm. know, like I'm just like moving my body. And I'll, like, get home, and I'm, like, yeah, I want to sit for a little while, but I I often feel, like, less exhausted, even just being able to, you know, be outside and, like, smell the air. And, like, Mm -hmm. I I don't think I realized how desperately I liked nature until Mm -hmm. COVID. I used to kind of, like, have this weird – I don't know if I thought it was a bragging right or I thought I was, like, different or quirky or something – but I would always be like, I don't like nature. Like I'm not a nature person. I don't like looking at views and like, it's just not interesting to me. And I think that's probably because I live in the Pacific Northwest. And so nature is like everyone's lives out here. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, I'm different, which is annoying. But, um, yeah, until COVID like how I literally had had a point where I was like in my bedroom, I had to move home to my childhood bedroom, like live with my parents. And I remember just like sitting in my bedroom and being like, I need air. (laughs) Like, Oh my God, I need to go outside. And I had this like really intense craving to like go to a beach for like months where I was like, why do I want to go to the beach so bad? I've never in my life, like really wanted to go to the beach. And it was just like, my body was just like, please for the love of God, like get me outside. Like I need to not be in this bedroom. Um, which is something that now I'm actually trying to be more intentional about. And I have a puppy now, so I kind of have to go outside, which has actually been really helpful because I'll be like, she needs to go on a walk, so I'll go on a walk. Yeah. Um, But yeah, yeah, I think so often we can just get in the cycle of like our four walls and kind of forget that there's a lot more out there that often makes you feel a lot more rested and a lot more fulfilled.
1: Definitely. And like, we like what we know. So I know I feel resistance to going outside, even though once I'm outside, I'm like, this is so wonderful. Why did I feel resistance to this? Um, But we, our brain is always trying to preserve resources and save energy and take shortcuts. And if we don't have to do that thing, we'll come up with a million reasons not to, but I mean, you're exactly right. Like a body in motion stays in motion. And when we build momentum, like I, if you build momentum and create, just consistency and habits and like your body starts to anticipate motion. And it knows like, oh, we work out like, and the weeks are about this much energy, most of the time. So on days when I don't work out, or I don't give out that energy in some way, I feel like more restless, because I'm used to being in motion. So it's like, uncomfortable to do to fluctuate in that way. Um, And we are used to getting those cues of like getting up early in the morning, taking public transportation, getting to work, um, being around other professionals, like getting up, going to meetings and then going home. And so, and I know I was like taking public transportation back and then going to night classes and then walking across like the loop to get home in Chicago. And so if I had to stop at the mailbox, like on the way, it was no big deal because I was already in motion. So it's it was like going from a jog to a sprint. Whereas now if I'm just at home and I'm at rest because a body in motion stays in motion, a body at rest stays at rest. When, if I'm at home and I have to go to the mailbox, but I was at rest, that's like trying to get to a sprint from a dead stop. Like I was not in motion and I'm used to not being in motion. So to go do that takes so much more effort than if I were already Doing those things, so it seems really counterintuitive to add motion to um, a life where you're already drained. But we sometimes our systems need a shock; like they they need to be just thrown into a 360 because we don't realize how resilient we are and how quickly we adapt. And if suddenly that was our reality, we would make it work. But our brains will tell us like path of least resistance. You need to conserve resources. You should be fearful. You should not engage in things that will like could potentially challenge you in a negative way. Um, so it's, yeah, it's like a whole system you're trying to work against.
0: Yeah. I, I remember experiencing that a lot. I had like a really intense depressive episode in high school and like, there's so many studies with depression that like moving your body can like drastically increase your mood specifically. Like if you're in a depressive episode that like, you would be amazed how much moving your body helps. And my mom would always be like, come on, like, let's go for a walk. Let's do something. Let's go for a bike ride. And I'd be like, I don't want to. And it was just like pulling teeth. And then finally I'd like go do something. And it was like, I'm in a lot better of a mood now. And my mom was like, I know. Like that's why I was trying to get you to get up because I knew it was going to help. Um, and I think that can be really daunting too. And like, I think a good thing is like, I mean, for me, like small steps are everything. Like I, I don't do well with trying to jump from zero to a hundred. Um I do, well, I do jump from zero to hundred a lot of the times, but a lot of the times that's too much of a shock. And then it's not sustainable for me where I'll do something where I'll try to input a new routine. And I, I, I do it too drastically because like mm-hmm. I said, like I'm not someone who does well with balance. And so I'll, I'll do too drastic of a shock. And then it's like, well, I can't do this every day. This is, I'm exhausted. And so I think even finding just those little tiny steps that just might be something that's just a little bit more attainable, um, I was having a lot of guilt cause I was seeing all these other dog parents like take their dogs on like miles and miles of walks and runs and hikes. And that's just like, not that's not something that is really attainable for me right now. And so my thing has been like, I will take Stevie on a 20 minute walk a day. And like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's, I don't know if that's enough for her to be honest, but like, it seems like it is. She's tired when she gets back. We play at home still. And for me, it's, like, I'm trying to prioritize, like, her health, but then also make sure that I'm not pushing myself to the point of, like, sacrificing, like, my energy to take care of somebody else. Um, And hopefully, like, the more we do that, because that's a pretty recent development. Like, the more that we do that, then the the more that we can can start to increase it, like, little Mm -hmm. by little. And even the fact, like, I remember I had someone tell me that they had walked Green Lake and done this, like, three-mile walk. And I was like, oh, my God, I would never – And then we started to do these little walks. And then we ended up building our way up to like walking green like once. And I didn't think that she'd be able to do it. And I didn't think I'd be able to do it. And after it was like, I felt so good about myself. I felt so confident in myself. It was like such a mood booster. I had such a good day that day. Like I started my day with the walk and like I ended my day and I like had energy to like cook a really good meal and grocery shopping. And it filled me up with energy versus like draining me. And so I think often it's just kind of making those little steps that might seem really scary at first. But, like, once you take the little step, the next little step is not as scary. Um, And then I also do want to encourage – I know I have a lot of listeners, myself included, who are recovering from eating disorders. And so if the word workout is, like, a scary, scary, scary word for you – try to just reorient it as like moving your body. It doesn't ever have to be something that the intention is to lose weight or to like burn off calories. Like sometimes if I'm feeling really down, like I will put on a playlist that I know makes me feel really good and I will just dance and it has nothing to do with me trying to like burn calories or lose weight. It's just like, I have energy that feels stuck in my body that needs to like be moved.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: so, um, I would just say like, just be intentional about the way that you're framing that in your mind. And if anything is ever too triggering for you, um, I started a program that's like, it is a quote unquote workout program, but for me, it's, it's dancing. It's a, it's dance classes. And, um, there's an episode that'll come out. It might've already come out by now, but it's a episode about diet culture. And, um, I, I was supposed to do like, not supposed to, I had planned on doing a dance class that day. And I found myself sitting there thinking, oh, well, if I do this dance class, then I can't eat this. And then I can't eat this and I can't eat this. And then it was like, nope, we're not doing the dance class today. We're not doing it. Cause I, it is not worth me taking steps backwards in my eating disorder journey in order to like improve this, like other aspect of my mental health journey. Like I'm not going to sacrifice one for the other. Um, and so you know yourself best, you know, your body best, just make sure that you're gauging yourself in that and that you're being intentional. And like, if it is something that you're recovering from, maybe consult your therapist and see if you can find a good plan where there's movement that helps with your brain and your energy level, but it's not movement that makes you feel triggered or makes you feel really conscious of your body. Because I think that was really daunting for me at first, I was just like, anytime I'm like planning to like do any movement, my brain goes straight to how many pounds am I going to lose. And so that was a really hard transition to try to like reorient my thought process where I'm not focused on losing weight. I just want to like shake out my body a little bit and like mm-hmm. just get it moving. Cause we've been stagnant for a little bit and I feel stiff and kind of icky and I just want to get some energy out. Definitely. Um, so yeah, I would just say, be aware of that and make sure that if that's something that's triggering for you, make sure that you're consulting a therapist or a treatment center or whatever to make sure that you're being intentional and safe with the way that you're, uh, trying to increase your movement.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, like a flow state but for working out where you don't recognize time passing it's not you're not actively thinking about every piece of it um and a lot of people you know when it comes to workout it's like i need to be in front uh like at the gym in like xyz clothes and you're like just kind of counting in your head um whereas and, and we don't really have these opportunities in adulthood but like you know, when you go play a sport or you're, you go with friends to the park to play soccer or to like, um, you go to a class or like whatever it might be. And you're not thinking about, you're just doing it. And it's like more of a state of play than a state of like, I'm working out the responsibility and I'm checking a box. It's like the way that it's, we're supposed to be like, if we, if we had more opportunities to Just be in that flow state of movement, then I, I, there would be. I mean, we, we love to create systems and regiments out of things that we're supposed to just enjoy. Um, but yeah, anywhere you can find that flow state, always.
0: Yeah. I think it it is very much so like just find ways to play. Like, Mm -hmm. so think about like when we were kids, like we'd go play at the park and you you weren't doing that to work out, you were doing it to play and it was still really good for your body and good Mm -hmm. for your brain, but like it wasn't like, uh, you know people aren't sitting there doing calorie counting exercises with their kids and if they are, they should not be holy crap um but yeah I think that we as adults the play aspect has definitely been lost quite a bit um and yeah that's why dance is like my thing is it's just like that already feels really playful and just in itself I feel like it's a pretty playful activity and it can be kind of loose and it can be kind of goofy sometimes and it's really creative and so that's been my like method of being able to kind of um to play and it's really not I don't think of it as like a fitness journey <laughs> it's just yeah. like I'm just here to have fun and like get some energy out and I love choreographed stuff and like I just think it's fun and then I feel accomplished afterwards cuz it's like hey I kind of learned this choreography and I like I accomplished that and it feels good um but yeah um, I guess, do you have any closing thoughts for anybody listening about burnout in general or anything else that you would advise people to kind of center their minds on?
1: So many things, but um, if I <laughs> have to just give kind of like a parting philosophy, just like always keep top of mind that like we made all of this up um, and Like, you know, we, we only have like, you know, 70 good years on earth and I'm sure that if there were, if there were no other people and there were no expectations, you would live your life a completely different way. Most people would, um, if they had resources at their disposal, um, There, I would just get away from as many of the shoulds as you can, and like on a day-to-day basis, like as part of my morning reminders that I read, one of them is like we're on a rock in space and we made all of this up. And anytime I try to take myself too seriously, or I'm reading an email for the fifth time to make sure it sounds right, or I'm like, no, I shouldn't like buy this thing or eat this thing or do this thing. I'm like, I'm gonna die and no one's gonna care, so I may as well just like (laughs) the way that I want to because I mean. I saw a great TikTok that was like, do you know a single thing? Do you know a single thing about people in your family three generations ago? And no, I don't know. I have no idea what like what they looked like. Like they're barely I mean now we'll have more photos, but like I know hardly anything about them. I think we overestimate how important we are. We are important. Like it's finding that balance between like yeah. I'm not important enough and special enough to take myself this seriously. And <laughs> right like your own cheerleader. Like yeah. and being like, you know what, if who's if you're not gonna do it, who's gonna do it? Somebody less qualified with more nerve, like get up the nerve, do it, stop taking everything so seriously. Um, and like I literally have to give myself that talk every single day, but it I, I'm living a very non-traditional life because, because of it. And that's what I want absolutely anybody to do is just figure out what you want to do with your 70 years here. If aliens don't take over, we don't kill the planet. Um, I <laughs> just like do that and don't, don't apologize to anybody along the way.
0: Yeah. I love that. There's been so much, I've seen so much stuff about like we made everything up. This is literally all made up. Like money's made up. It's all made up. Like mm-hmm. just do what you want to do. And I think so often there's so many, I can't tell you how many times I go to the grocery store and I sit there and think everyone's staring at me and no one gives a shit. Yeah. No one gives a shit. They're doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. And there are so many times where I literally have left the grocery store and not bought things because I'm panicked about people looking at me. And it's like, I just impacted my own dinner because I was panicked about whether or not someone was staring at me. And it's just, it's silly at the end of the day. And like, Mm -hmm. not to say that your anxieties are not valid because they are, if they're, if you're feeling them, they're valid, but like, it's always really good to, to check those anxieties too. I think so often, especially with the conversation about mental health that has been going on, we've accidentally crossed this barrier where um invalidating feelings, we're no longer analyzing them and no longer challenging them. And there's just kind of this like, if it's okay, everything's okay. And it's like, yeah, it's totally valid if, to for you to feel that way. But also like try to challenge yourself every once in a while and challenge those thoughts and challenge those anxious thoughts and challenge, you know, the way that you're thinking so that you're not just in this repetitive cycle of like just, you know, being anxious or worried or obsessed with what other people are thinking or obsessed with how your life is not the way that it should be because you can do that till you die. And then whoops. Yeah. <laughs> <It's gone. laughs> so try not to do that. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I, yeah. I feel like this is, I'm a very like uh, data driven person as well. So like this conversation made a lot of sense to me. So I okay. hope that it makes a lot of sense to people listening. Um, but I wanted to give you a chance to kind of plug anything that you want to plug, your Instagram, um, anything you have going on over there, so that people listening can find you and kind of follow what you're doing.
1: Yeah, perfect. Um, so on Instagram and TikTok, my handle is Emily B. Ruth. And um, I have permanent resources there. If you go on my website, which you can get to by going to burnoutmanagementprogram.com, um, you can sign up for my email list where I send personal and professional development emails about once a week. Um, and then if you would like to work with me or get something a little bit more intensive, I have a seven week one on one coaching program. And that is um, the I'll, I won't get into too many details. It's a seven week one on one coaching program. And then I have a burnout mini course for somebody wants the content but doesn't necessarily want to work with me and then a boundaries mini course for people who struggle with boundaries in particular and then I have one-on-one strategy calls if you know you have something in particular to talk about and you don't necessarily need the rest of the content Um, but I'm happy to answer any questions via dm um, or via email and um, you can follow me on linkedin but it's honestly pretty boring there so I don't post too much (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, we will have all of that linked in um show notes. I'll have all that information. Then I will tag Emily in the Instagram post that we post as well. So you guys can find her and all of her information. Um, but thank you again for coming on. Um, I always love when I'm having a conversation with someone and I find myself processing and like actively learning while we're talking. Okay. Um and I feel like this will definitely be one of the conversations where I sit for a while and process and try to think of some of the things that I can implement into my life that we've chatted about because I do think that I'll benefit from a lot of this as well, which is always I really know. fun. Um, but yeah, so thank you again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, well, that's all the time that we have for today, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please rate us five stars on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also follow the blog on Instagram at Blog and visit us online at SerafinaBlog.com. And as always, to end our time, unclench your jaw, take a deep breath, and remember, you can always learn, you can always grow, and you can always choose to live your life in a more mindful way. I will see you guys next week.